Welcome to our Through the Bible study here on Bible In-Depth Network with Alex. In our study, we look at the context of Scripture and how it applies to our daily lives. We also believe that there's no limitation to the revelation of the Word God. Let's study together today. Let's praise be to God. I hope you're safe. I hope the Lord has kept you safe and sound. This is the day that the Lord has met. We shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Thank you for joining us for our time of the study of the Word of God. And uh, we are currently looking at the book of Matthew. And uh, we're in chapter 10. By the grace of God, we shall complete that today. And I want us to continue with chapter 10 from where we left off yesterday. And uh, chapter 10 starts by telling us, uh, verse 24, A disciple is not above his teacher. Hmm? Nor a slave above his master. There are four people that are being brought here in context or to our attention. First of them is a disciple. We've looked uh, numerous times what a disciple is, who a disciple is, and we've seen what they're made of, what they should be, what their character should be, how they are made. We've also seen, yeah? So we have a disciple that is being talked about here. Then we are also being informed of a teacher, hmm? the person who teaches. As we know, uh, teachers from school, just a simple way. It is more or less like the teacher and the student. So the teacher will will uh, be the one to equip the student. Yeah, The student in this case will be the disciple. So you have the teacher... Then you have the disciple who is their student. And in most cases, you would see that uh, the relationship between the teacher and the student is emphasized here because it's one that equips the other. Then the, we, we are given a term that they knew most in their time, a slave and his master. Some cases will say a servant. yeah, And uh, these would be given... Uh, roles to play in their communities, in their homes, serving their masters. And uh, these four are brought out here. And the key word Jesus is saying here is, a disciple or a student is not above his teacher. A student is not above his teacher. A disciple is not above the teacher. Jesus is the teacher here in the context that we read about and the disciples of course those is talking to right now even in to, in the in, in in the recent time even right now jesus is the teacher i am the disciple you who is listening to me you are the disciple and it is clear by what christ says here that i as alex you whoever it could be uh, you put your name that is listening to me right now. You are not above the teacher. You are not above Christ. Because a disciple is not above his teacher. We submit to him. Because that's what's demanded of disciples towards their teachers. You submit to them. You will listen to them. You will do as they say. You will follow notes. You, you remember in school when you 
you did not listen to what the teacher says, there would be consequences. When you don't obey the teacher, there would be consequences. When you treat the teacher in a way that is not respectful, there would be consequences. Yeah? If you fight with the teacher, there would be consequences. All things like we saw in the relationship between the teacher and the student do apply in this case. That the teacher being Christ and I being the disciple, there are things that I've got to do as Christ demands that I do. Otherwise, there are consequences. I have got to obey the commands of the teacher to avoid bad consequences. And there is always repercussion for everything we do. If we do good, consequences good. If we do bad, the consequences equal to that. And Jesus here is making it clear to us that know the levels. You need to know who is above and it is him. It is the teacher. He is the one that is above. He is the one that we listen to. He is the one that we walk with. He is the one that we obey commandments. He is the one that we give our entire lives to. Now, it comes to, I'll, I'll just move to the church today. We as well will have teachers. We will have leaders and they will have their disciples as may be the context that is uh, quite similar to the one of Christ that is giving us here. And there would be a demand for you to always respect the leader. There will be a demand for you to always listen to the leader. But also, there is caution for the leader because the leader can think that they've taken the place of Christ in people's lives. And that is one thing that is rampant today in Christianity or in the church today, that if you have been given authority, if Christ has anointed you to lead his people, where is the boundary? Where do you know that now I'm crossing the limit and taking the place of Christ? Because that's what Christians have decided to do today. And people, leaders, are taking the place of Christ. Leaders are taking the position that Jesus should occupy. And somebody will do anything as long as the leader has said it, even if it's against what Christ says to do. Even if it's against the commandment. And the problem for us as leaders is if we do not guide people to let them know that look to Christ and not me, I'm just a vessel. I'm just one that Christ has placed in your life to guide you in this walk of Christianity or in this walk of salvation, but I do not in any way equal to Christ. If we do not do that, then we lead God's people astray. People have got to know that Jesus is the master, that Jesus is the teacher, and a disciple is not above the teacher. Even as a leader, I am a disciple of Christ. However much I may have people that I lead below me who are my disciples, I also am a disciple of Christ, and I should not occupy a place that he only occupies. We have seen abuse in church today from leaders toward the flock, toward the disciples. We have seen abuse in the Christian fraternity just because somebody says, I am a leader and you're my disciple. Then they will do anything. Then they will demand worship. Then they will demand that they're bowed to. Then they will demand all those sort of things only Christ is supposed to take. Jesus here says, 
You are not above me. You are not above me. I am the teacher. You are not on a level that is above because I am the teacher. I am the master. If I say let's do this, let's do this. There has to be caution for us today to learn that as a leader, there are boundaries that we do not cross, that only Christ occupies. Demand for worship from flock is not right because worship only belongs to Christ. And he tells them that here. But then there is another angle that Christ brings when he says you're not above him. In verse 25, it says, It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. He is saying, you can become like me. That is the goal for every teacher. That is the goal for every leader. That you become like him. And if there is a leader who does not want their disciple to become like him, then there is selfishness there to look at. Jesus is not afraid. He says, you can be like me. You can do like I do. You can preach like I preach. You can go out and heal like I do. And we saw that because in the past uh, scriptures we read, he, Jesus giving them authority to go out and preach. To go out and touch the sick and make them well. To go out and cast out demons. It's not saying that's all mine. We have a tendency where it is the leader who does everything. If the leader is not there, then nothing will move. If the leader is not there, then nobody shall be prayed for. If the leader is not there, then no demons shall be cast out. No. If you're a disciple, and if you are a teacher or a leader, it is key that you make sure that you do just as the other does. And that is the role of the teacher, that you teach your flock, that you teach your disciples, that you teach those you mentor to become like you. If you are afraid of them becoming like you, then means there is a dent in your personality. There is a dent in your character. And that is what the problem is, that you don't want them to become. But as far as ministry is concerned, because we cannot complete the entire world alone. You need people. You need servants. You need people who are going to help you. You need people who are going to boost uh, the word. You need people who are going to go as far as they can and they need to carry your identity as they go out. They need to carry that which you have as they go out. And Jesus here says, become like me. Become like me. Go out and preach. Go out and heal. Go and do. And it also gets down on character. When you're telling people to become like you, it means you're telling them everything I do, you do. All things I don't do, don't do. So as a leader, if there's a lifestyle I have and I'm telling my disciples to become like me, it's like I'm telling them, actually I'm telling them, do as I do. If I'm prayerful, be prayerful. Yeah? If I'm loving, be loving. If I'm caring, be caring. Yeah? And also on a negative end. If I'm selfish, then I'm, I'm causing you to be selfish. And that will be something that will flow in the spirit of a place, in the spirit of a church, in a spirit of a ministry, that which the top holds will flow to those who subscribe to it. If there is love in a place, then those who subscribe to that ministry or to that group or to that community shall have the love. If there is bitterness there, 
then those who subscribe to that community shall have that with them. And it is because disciples eventually become like their teacher. If their teacher is an adulterous man, the disciples shall become adulterous men. If their teacher is a prayerful man, the disciples shall become prayerful men. And that is the call that Jesus has here. He says, become like me. Become like me. But he's not just giving you the good things. He says, if they have called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Remember, they came and said, no, he uses the power of Beelzebul, the demon. That is where he gets his power to heal. That is the power with which he operates. They spoke negatively about Christ. So expect, he's telling them, expect that for you it might even be worse because you're members of the household. You're part of me. When they say negative about Christ, it is an implication that to you also who is a follower today, they will say negative about you. What are they going to say to you that Christ didn't go through? What do they say to you at your workplace that you feel you don't want to speak about Christ anymore, that Christ didn't go through? It is evident that if the teacher has been attacked, the disciples shall be attacked. If the teacher has been called uh, a leader who works with Beelzebul, then they too shall call you that. We have seen people who go out and serve, who do great things for the kingdom of God. And people eventually come and say, no, they're using the power of demons. It was told to Christ. Expect it. And they will start to say that you, you go somewhere, that's where you pick the power that you have in the ministry that you have. Expect it because even for Christ himself, it is spoken, it is said of him that he uses power of Beelzebul. So, they will also start saying you go, you, you go and pick your power from shrines. You go and pick your power from the waters. You go and pick your power. There are activities you do. There are practices that you do to get the power to pray for people that they are healed. They say that about Christ. So even you who is the disciple of Christ, expect that to be said of you. But Jesus, the beauty is here. He's warned us about that. That it shall come. They shall say it about you. Because you are members of my household. You are my disciple. Expect such attack. Expect such words. Expect people to speak wrong about you. To say things you didn't do because they spoke so much about Christ. What is written and what is not written in the Bible about the things he did. They, much was spoken, so expect it as well. That they are going to say that Christian, you see, there ha, uh, has another wife. Or another woman, or another man in their life, yet you do not. Your Christianity does not save you from the words of people. People shall speak, but expect it, because you are a disciple, and the teacher suffered, so shall you suffer. And he goes and says, therefore, do not fear them. He tells you, do not fear them. Those who are speaking, do not fear them. Do not be afraid of what they have to say. Yeah? For there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed. All hidden that will not be known. The schemes they plot, the words they plot for you, the activity that is plotted in the background. When they sit down and get schemes, how are we going to spoil his name? 
How are we going to mess up her name? How are we going to make sure the world knows that this person is a failure? How are we going to make sure this the world knows uh, wrongly, by the way, that this person is not serving in the right manner? They will do that. But Christ says, do not fear them. Because he will vindicate. There are things that have been talked about you. There are things that have been said about you. And they are wrong. And you've probably been hurt and you've been hurt them. But it says there's nothing that is concealed that will not be revealed. There is nothing that they've plotted in the background that will not be revealed. There is nothing that is hidden that will not be revealed. It will come out and will be plain sight that they were lying about you. That they were speaking negatively about you in the wrong manner. And Jesus is saying to us, do not fear. What have they said about you? What have they said about you in that choir that you sing? What have they said about you in that ministry that you serve? What have they said about you in your workplace? There is nothing that has been concealed that will not be revealed. It will be known. It can come out as plain as it is. And they will even be the ones coming out to speak. Uh, you know, there, there was a meeting we held on this such and such a day, and these people told me to speak this uh, wrong information about you. They will come out and start to speak that in public, and they will say it before people with uh, that, that they had spoiled your name, and they will come out and reveal that which they concealed then, because there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed. And Jesus says, do not fear them. Do not fear them. He was not afraid. Otherwise, he would have stopped his ministry. But he was not afraid. He kept on. And it goes and says, what I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. He's telling his disciples, this gospel that you preach shall not be just for the few here. Get on the housetop and speak until people accept Christ. Until people change your lives, until people repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He says you do that at the rooftop. Get out there and speak about Christ. Get out there and don't be afraid. Speak about it in your workplace. Speak about it at your shop. Speak about it where you move. Speak about it in your community and tell people, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he says, do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He's saying, do not fear to preach the gospel. Do not fear to come out and preach the gospel because they will kill you. No, they can kill you. He's saying, they will kill the body, but they can't kill the soul. They will destroy the body. But they can't destroy the soul. Only fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And that's God. So I'll do what God tells me to do. Because this is just man. If man is going to plot against me, what can he do? He can only kill the body. But he can't touch my soul. Because I've got uh, the presence of God with me. I've got Christ with me. I walk with Christ. And that's the one I please. I please Christ and not men and not two sparrows sold for a cent and yet none of them will fall to the ground apart from your father but the very hairs of your head are numbered this is amazing billions of people that exist today 
and all the hairs of their head are numbered. They will know that you have 10,000 hairs. <laughs> Just an example on your head. Yeah. And he says, God has concern for you to that level that he knows the number of the hairs on your head. That is how much concern he has for you. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. He will not let them fall to the ground. He will care for them, the sparrows. How about you created in his own image? He will care for you. And I want to encourage somebody who felt like your life is done. Like God doesn't care about you anymore. Like nothing makes meaning anymore in your life. Today, I want to encourage you and let you know that God has concern for you. By the time he knows the number of hairs on your head, he knows about that rent that is failing. He knows about that marriage that is failing. He knows about that relationship that has gone to shambles. He knows about every detail of your life. He knows about the job with which you've been given out ultimatum that if you don't come with the targets this week and today's end of week, you're fired. He knows about that and he cares for you. If he can't let the sparrow fall to the ground, he'll not let you, his follower, in his own image, fall to the ground. Today, I declare victory in your life. Whatever issue has been that has caused you fear and has scared you and has made you feel like God is not there and God is not caring about you and God does not have your issues at heart, may they be resolved in the name of Jesus because that's what he does. He cares for you. Verse 32, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I'll also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I'll also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. He is saying, if you accept me before men, I will accept you. If you deny me before men, I will deny you. This is not just about the altar call. Sometimes we target to the altar call that we had uh, that... Uh, Okay, now this is the public, so come to the front. It's not just about the altar call. It could be, but there's more to that. Every day we confess Christ. Every day where we, we work from, wherever we spend our days, we confess Christ. The acts that we do is confession of Christ. If you do the acts of Christ, then you're confessing him before men. If you deny, and then you have to please the rest. Ah, me, I don't. It's okay, me, it's okay. I can do whatever you want to do, even if it's worldly. Then you deny Christ. And when you deny him, he promises you that also on that day he will deny you. But now, I need to know that on a daily, I confess Christ, not just by speech, but by action. The things that I do, representation of him, the Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth, verse 34. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Jesus here is saying the gospel that I have brought shall cause conflict even in households. You shall go one day and tell your parents that you've accepted Christ and that's not what they wanted for you. And they will tell you, leave, you are no longer our child. Because he's come to bring a sword to set a man against father and a daughter against mother. And when that happens, 
This is the scripture that gives you the confidence. You know, sometimes we fear and we say we will have to honor and respect our parents. It doesn't matter what they say. So if the parent is telling you do not accept Christ, if the parent is, not, is telling you do not walk in the ways of God, do you listen to them as well? He tells you in scripture, I have not come to bring just peace but a sword. Sometimes I'm going to cause conflict in your own household. And those who are of your household, he tells, even warns us, there are lots of conflicts, by the way, that happen in households, in families. But he tells us that a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. In your own houses where you can get the worst of enemies. In your own families where you can get the worst of enemies, people who do not wish good for you. That is not news. We know it. And I know you who's listening to me, you might even have experienced it and you know what I'm talking about here. But he says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. It's all about Christ. It's not about man. Yes, we have parents. Yes, we have children. But it's all about Christ. If what they're telling you to do, if the things that they're proposing to you are not godly, then you'd rather lose them than to lose Christ. That's what Christ tells us here. It is plain and simple. So, find life. Find life in Christ. He who has found life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. It's only with Jesus that there is hope that's you, that you will find life again, not in the things of this world. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, Truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. He's talking about um, his disciples here, that as they go out to preach, that as they go out to serve, that as they go out to do ministry, if they are received well, then those who receive them shall be blessed. When God's people have come, when God's people have come for ministry, have come to spread, have come to visit. It's incumbent on us to receive them well because it is of that blessing that we partake. If you receive a prophet well, then you receive a prophet's reward, the one who received them. If you receive a righteous man well, then you receive the righteous man's reward. So there are rewards of all kind. For the prophet, you receive one. For a righteous man, you receive one. How about for the evil man? You also receive one. Because it is equal to that which you receive that you will be rewarded. And God here tells you, if you receive me, Jesus says, if you receive me, you receive the one who sent me. That is the most important thing for us to do, to receive Christ. Every day there is an invitation. Every day he sends out an invitation, receive me. Receive me. Take me. I'm the one who gives hope. Take me. I'm the one who gives life. And Christ on a daily tells us, receive me in your workplace. It doesn't matter, but receive me. I've come. Let my character, let my identity be seen, be seen through you today. 
in that place. Do we receive him? Or we do not? Because there is a reward for those who receive Christ. And today you might be out there and you're listening to me. And you've not received Christ. And there is a daily invitation for you to receive him in your life. That he might transform it. That he might give you hope. That he might give you life. That he might change everything. You are going to leave the things of this world because those who let go of the things of this world, those who lose their life for his sake, find it. And that is eternal life. Eventually we shall all die. Eventually we shall all leave this world that we live in. And we shall have to stand before him. Did you receive him or you didn't? And that will be the measuring line. For those who received him, they will receive eternal life because they lost their life and found it with Christ. And you may be out there today and there's an invitation for you. Take Christ as your Lord and Savior and walk with him and do as he demands that you do and follow his commandments and you'll be well. And if you're that person who can say this prayer, Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life Make things new. Make things whole. And help me walk with you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our study today. We believe that the world of God is alive and new each day. Open your heart and let God speak to you. You can also access our teachings through our Podbean channel or reach us through our website, bibleindepth.com.